Welcome to my MACD life and powered by the Support Site Foundation. This podcast is about macular degeneration and the devastating impact it has on millions of people and their families every single day, 365 days a year. Our mission is simple, to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. So tune in, buckle up, and put your listening ears on. Here are your hosts, Don Prawl and Sean Doyle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my MACD Life. I'm your co-host, Sean Doyle, professional speaker, trainer, and book author, and I'm here today with my co-host, the lovely and talented, the amazing, the incredible, the irreplaceable, Don Prawl, the founder and executive director of the Support Site Foundation and a visionary. Hey, Don. Hey, Sean. Hi, everyone. We're happy you've joined us. We're excited to bring you some great information, education, and inspiration. We really want to make a difference in the life of people who are suffering with MACD, and we call it My MACD Life. And Don, one other thing. What's that, Sean? We're We're going going to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Sean, what are we rolling with today? Well, Don, we're rolling with it. You know what I'm saying? You feel me, Don? You feel me? Yeah, I feel you, babe. (laughs) We got Dan Roberts, and Dan Roberts is a legend. He's a just such an interesting guy, and he has a lot of interesting stories to tell and about what he's doing to really help people worldwide with that, that are suffering from MACD. Also, our friends from Vespera will be here yet again to talk about some remarkable assistive technology. And guess what else we're going to do today, Don? Can you care to guess? Uh, no, tell me, Sean. We're going to have some fun. Oh, you know it. That's the name of the game. I'm excited to have folks listen to Dan Roberts' story. I know it Well, it's inspiring. I'll just put it at that. I don't want to do a spoiler because people are going to stay with us and hear from Dan himself. So let's start the inspiration now. Let's go. Support for today's My MACD Life podcast comes from Healthy Vision Association, Novartis, Vespero, Centric Bank, and Hinkelstein and Associates. Hey, Don, you know, there was something I was thinking about this week. So I, I got to throw you a curveball. And this is going to come in low inside and twist right when it comes over the plate. So you ready? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so here's a question I've been getting so much. And Don, as you know, I'm a motivational speaker and a book author. And I really focus a, a lot on positivity and motivation, right? Yep. So here's a question everybody's asking me right now. We're living in a tremendous adversity in our country with COVID and not just in our country, but across the world. If you turn on a news channel, bad idea, or go to a website, bad idea, featuring news, it's a recipe for depression. So here's what people ask me all the time. Sean Doyle, as a motivational speaker, how in the world can you say to be motivated and to be happy during all this adversity? So I was thinking about this today that, I mean, it's the same thing with having MACD suffering through adversity. So my question to you, my esteemed co-host, is how do you stay motivated during adversity, whether it's MACD adversity, whether it's the world we live in right now adversity, any type of adversity people face, how do we stay motivated during adversity? Well, Sean, apropos... Um, for all apropos. the reasons there's the word for today's show apropos there you go <laughs> it's apropos so what what do you mean by apropos um apropos in all the things you said above without me repeating all that um mm-hmm. i think people get it 
you know, yeah, this is what we're living with. This is where we're at. And the good news is we're all kind of in this together. Okay. Um, in terms of, you know, macular degeneration. It's another form of adversity, right? I mean, it's another serious adversity that someone in their family is going to face. How do we, how do we stay motivated and stay positive through all that? Well, I think it's extremely challenging and it really depends on attitude and, Mm. I can tell you that in my relationships that I have with folks who are living with this adversity of losing their sight, attitude is really the number one thing, if you will, that comes Couldn't up. Couldn't agree more. And, Could not agree more. Yeah. So how do we maintain our attitude or how do we do that positive attitude thing? Well, you're kind of the expert in that. And so I'm going to flip it back to you and your curveball. Wow, well, the ball um, just came not- right back around to me. How did that happen? Not going to strike out. Um, No, I just, I want to add, and then, you know, just to keep it short, first of all, I'd like to hear from our listeners on how they feel about attitude. But I want to say this in response. I've heard so many unbelievable stories from people Mm. about their attitude and how it changes over time. Mm. And, you know, I'm going to pick up on that word you're using to maintain. I don't think we can really maintain anything uh, unless we work really hard at it. But again, we have to have it first to maintain it. So I think attitude is that from anyone from I'm not going to let this disease stop me and I can do anything I want, and I'm going to figure it out, to I'm not going to give in. Mm. I'm not going to give in to the depression, to the sadness. I love that. Yep. And there almost is this this refusal, if you will. Like not letting it win. That's right. I'm not. I'm going to win. It's not going to win. Well, a very good friend of mine once said, who, by the way, has macular degeneration. He actually has uh, Stargardt's, which is juvenile macular degeneration, mm. and was diagnosed with it at age nine. Mm. And he told me once that he likes to remind people when he speaks with them, because this is what got him through it, is you're not going to let a little disease in your eye take over your life mm. and don't stand for it. Like you give it the power to take over your life. That's right. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. My suggestion would be, you know, when people ask me this question all the time is a very simple exercise is to set down and do a gratitude list or a joy list. So there's two different lists. One is gratitude. You just write down all the things you're thankful for. Okay. I have MACD, but I'm so happy that I have a, a wonderful family. I'm so happy that I have a great spouse. I'm so happy that I have a job. I'm so happy that I have a home. I have a roof over my head. I have my, the rest of me is very healthy, you know, so it's just making a list of the things that you're grateful for. And the joy list is just writing down a list of things that bring you joy. And if you're feeling a bit down, you pick one item from that list and say, well, today I'm going to listen to Tchaikovsky because I love listening to symphony music, or I'm going to, you know, listen to my favorite book, or I'm going to call my best friend or whatever it is that brings you joy. So I think those are two things you can do. And I, I agree with you, Don, that motivation is not an event, it's a process and we have to work on it every day. So what can you do on a daily activity to tap into that gratitude list or to tap into that joy list to bring you joy? So I think it's very important to fight the good fight. And if you do that, you certainly would be more motivated, inspired and positive. And that's what this show really, My MACD Life is all about. Right, Don? You got it, Sean. So for ideas on how to create your own joy list, go to mymacdlife.org. You know, Donna, 
We interviewed Dan Roberts for the show, and I just found him so fascinating. That Sean, I Sean, you, you can't use that word anymore. Remember, you're banned <laughs> from right. that word. <laughs> I do say fascinating a lot. I'm fascinated by the fact that I say fascinated a lot. <laughs> Uh, so interesting, so scintillating. You talked to the guy for two hours. It really yeah. was such an interesting interview. You say that about everybody. You're loving this, aren't you? I do love this. And and it's interesting because I have a term for this. It's called intellectual curiosity. Hmm. And I wonder, I'm puzzled by the fact that sometimes people aren't intellectually curious. So I don't know why people would find anything boring because there's just so much to learn in this life. So in a MACD life, you know, you and I are intellectually curious about everything, right? So I just don't understand why people would not be intellectually curious about things. Well, I think, you know, your point here is what I might take away from what you're saying is that you are learning more and more about the subject, macular degeneration. And each uh, time that you speak with not just me, but our wonderful guests and, and experts and people who are living this life with macular degeneration, it's really piqued your intellectual curiosity. Also, it's hard to say, which is probably why people <laughs> don't do it that much. That's right. Kind of like macular degeneration, right? Mac, that's why we say MACD, because I think- Maybe we you, just call it IC. I got yeah, my IC. Right. Right. <laughs> So, but, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm glad. Thank it's, you. You know, that you're, you're learning more and more and that you really, it shows that you really do care, obviously. And of course you do, because this is what we're doing to help people and for them to learn more about living with the disease, how the disease works, stories of people just like them who are struggling with losing their vision and um, they're not alone. Uh, there's millions exactly. and millions of people out there and their caregivers and families. Exactly. And so we got a great guest today on the show, Dan Roberts, who's the founder of MD Support, a book author, and has an amazing life story about how losing his central vision affected his life. And so I think our listeners are going to be really fascinated, but here's what I think is so great. He gives a lot of tools and tips and techniques and ideas that people can apply to their life today who are suffering from macular degeneration or their families. So I think our listeners will find this interview to be really helpful and giving lots of great ideas about how to live the MACD life. And I also love that guy. You He's gotta amazing. love him. Yep. Well, Dan Roberts, welcome to my MACD life. Thank you, Sean. Good to be here. So happy to have you here. I wanted our listeners just to know a little bit more about you. So Dan Roberts, MME, is the editor-in-chief of Living Well with Low Vision, the founding director of MD Support, and founding director of the International Low Vision Support Group. And he retired from a half century as a teacher and an author and a composer and a theatrical director and musician. He now dedicates himself full-time to helping other people learn about and live with low vision. And because of his own need for support, uh, he founded the MD Support in 1995, and he's since become a leading patient advocate, lobbyist, industry consultant, advisor, and low vision educator. And Dan, you're so fascinating. I think we could talk to you for a couple of hours. Wow. I sound like quite a guy, don't I? <laughs> you sound like a great guy. So let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> so Dan, it's obvious to me that you really have dedicated your life helping people all over the world who have macular degeneration, or as we call it on the show, MACD. And you've helped people learn to live with low vision. But my question is, what got you started on this journey? What got you into this 
this line of this cause? What what got you into it? Well, it was my vision that caused. Oh, really? Yes, I was uh, a school teacher, I, I, uh, a high school teacher, and hmm. a director, theater director, and did all those things. You know, everything that I planned on in my life required vision, of course. Hmm. Except being a musician, uh, I have no trouble playing the piano still, uh, so that's a blessing. Wow, but that is a blessing. Yeah, I was. I started noticing things disappearing in my vision, and decided to uh, go see what it was all about, and found out that I was going to be losing my central vision in the next oh, few, wow. few. And that was in 1994. 1994. Wow. So I uh, panicked, which I preach now to not do. That's the mm. last thing a person wants to do. Whenever there's a death in the family, the first thing you do is sit down and think about what you're going to do next. You don't panic. Right. That same thing happens with vision loss. It turned out I had plenty of time to think about it. It's a progressive disease, hmm. uh, and it's still progressing after 25 years, and so it's, wow. it's very slow. But I panicked and, and quit my job at the uh, high school. I had 23 years teaching, and so I got retirement, and I uh, quit my job at the church. I was a, a music minister and organist at the church. Hmm. And uh, I couldn't play in the dark, and there were a lot of services in the, that were in candlelight and that kind of thing. So that yeah. I, figure, I figured, well, I'm no good there, so I quit that. And then decided to, uh, of course, I couldn't direct theater anymore because that required being backstage in the dark and going back and forth between back, backstage and bright lights in your eyes. Yeah. So I said, nope, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to quit that, too. So I figured, okay, I'll uh, pick up my accordion again and get better at the accordion and buy myself a monkey and go out and sit on the street corner and make some money. That's how I'll make a living. And, <laughs> well, I, I don't like monkeys. Uh, so. <laughs> you probably don't like accordions too much either. I'm just no, guessing. Nobody likes accordions. <laughs> You don't like accordions. I'm sure we'll get some letters about that one, Dan, but that's well, okay. Well, I wasn't a bad accordionist. I didn't mind it so much, but it was the other people. So uh, <laughs> that and the monkey uh, decided I would uh, try to think of something else to do. So I spent a year just sitting on the front porch and wow. and thinking my life was over and being tearful about the whole thing. And of course, I'm not, I'm not the kind of, yeah, I'm not that kind of guy usually, but I just went into depression. Finally, my wife said, you know, there's this thing called the Internet out there. Why don't you learn how to use it? And uh, mm. she, she said, we'll buy you a computer. And so uh, I bought a computer and found a little group of people, about 12 people that had the same problem I did. It was a okay. little uh, email discussion group. That was the original Facebook, I believe. Yeah, email discussion group. Yeah, and uh, we still it's still going. I ended up uh, owning it, uh, took it over uh, from the guy who didn't want to do it anymore. And now there's over 400 people there. Wow. So that uh, grew, and that's quite a community, and that's kind of what started it all. We all shared our experiences and our and our information, and then I decided to put that information on a website because uh, I heard those things were pretty handy, and so I didn't know what they were or how to do it. My first website was a giant JPEG. I thought wow. that's how you did it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I spent hours working on this this uh, artwork, had it all designed, and then uploaded it as a JPEG. <laughs> and it took it it took an eternity to download. And it very had yeah, very high tech. And somebody, my uh, nephew, who's a teenager and much smarter than I was, uh, said, "No, that's not how you do websites." And so uh, he taught me how to do it first, and went from there. And now it's uh, it gets over seven thousand hits a month. Wow. And it actually works. It has links and everything. So, 
And did that then become the MD support site? Is that that, that became? To? Yes, it did. The people on the uh, little group that I had started, that I had uh, taken over needed a place where they could look up information and me not having to repeat it every time because I started ended up being their teacher. And since I, I used see. to be a teacher, well, that felt pretty good. So I just learned and I'm also very obsessive. And so I decided, OK, I'm going to learn everything possible about macular degeneration. Wow. And then, and then I'm going to teach it to everybody else. And uh, my wife uh, kind of inspired me to do that. So I thank her for pushing me in that direction. And so now we have, like I said, about 7,000 people a month come to the website for that same information. And if you go there, you'll see articles that I published in 1997. Wow. I, I'm obsessive, like I said. I keep everything. And I thought, well, this is a great archive of the history of the research and developments. And so that's what it turned into. And then Prevent Blindness, the organization in Chicago that's over 100 years old, said, how would you like to... Uh, to come work for us. And so I ended up being editor-in-chief. Fantastic. Moved, yeah, moved all my stuff over there. So now that's where it all is housed. And I thought that'd be a good idea because I'm in my mid-70s and I'm not going to be around forever. So now they've got it and I still manage it, but it'll outlast me. And I thought that worked out pretty well for both of us. Well, what a great legacy for you. Yeah, well, I, I never thought I'd need a legacy, you know, just teach school, retire and go fishing. Right. But uh, I, it didn't I, turn out that way. I guess my question, Dan, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I'm a motivational speaker and a book author, and I noticed that there's some people when they face adversity, they don't really do anything about it. But it sounds to me like at a certain point, you decided to rather than just, you know, setting and feeling bad about it, you decided to do something about it. What was that turning point for you that led you to make that decision to do something instead of just sitting on your porch? Well, that would have been my wife kicking me in the butt. Yeah. Great. <laughs> if, if she hadn't come out on that porch that day and I'm sitting there crying and wailing about my future and uh, my family's ruined and, uh, you know, everything was going to go to pot. Mm. She said, no, it's not because you're not that kind of guy. And she convinced wow. me. And so thank God I had her. And we bought a computer that I managed to pay for because I decided, by the way, to become self-employed and started a school of my own, Oh wow! which was an academy of performing arts with drama and music and dance. And I had five teachers working for me. And I, it turned out that was a blessing uh, in disguise. And I was became a much happier person because uh, I had my own school that didn't have to worry about uh, being told what to do. And I'm, I don't like to be told what to do, obviously. <laughs> So where, where do people find this website you've been describing? What would the website address be for that website? MD, as in macular degeneration, support.org. So mdsupport.org. So if you want some great resources, articles, places to go, links, etc., for support for people with macular degeneration and their families, make sure to go to mdsupport.org. Thank you. Now, Dan, I also noticed something interesting about you, that you're also the founding director of the International Low Vision Support Group. So tell our listeners, what, what's that? What's the International Low Vision Support Group all about? Well, it started because I realized that there were a lot of people not getting this information that I had been putting on the web for the last 20 years or so. Hmm. And this was in 2008. And I, I thought, this is not fair. There's still a lot of seniors out there like what I was 
before this who were just sitting on the porch and not knowing where to get information and support. And I said, they, they need this information. So it occurred mm-hmm. to me that I, I was already guest speaking at five different support groups around the Kansas City area on a regular basis. And I thought, why? I'm saying the same thing at all of them. And I said, there is this thing called the Internet that I learned about. And so uh, <laughs> I'm going to use that and find other groups around and we're going to communicate by by the internet. And so I sort of created the first webcasts. Oh wow. These were slideshows with narration and it was um PowerPoint. I used PowerPoint, which oh, okay. I also, also yeah. had to learn how to use that. And then I would send these to uh, leaders of support groups around the country uh, who wanted the same information. They needed help running their programs and uh, and providing materials. And I had that stuff uh, right there on my website. So I started producing programs, audio and visual, for these groups. And we now have 225 groups in 13 countries and the United States. 225 groups across the United States and, and in other countries. Other American-speaking countries, other American yeah. speaking Eng- countries. English-speaking. And that wow. just grew. It just happened because there was a need. And that's kind of been my, uh, my philosophy of life is if there's a door, go through it. Uh, don't stand around in the hallway because you're not going to be doing anything. Of course, you want to remember to leave that door open in case you want to get back out. Uh, that's, <laughs> and I, I have had to escape a few times. <laughs> so there's these groups that are meeting in person, I guess, in the past and maybe now virtually all over the Americas, supporting each other in their their journey through vision loss. Essentially, that's it. They they are live groups. They have their own programs, too. Yeah. Uh, but my design was for groups that were having trouble reaching the resources, mm-hmm. getting speakers to come in from their little town or from the large town to their little town. And so I bring those speakers and programs to them from the Internet, and I supply it to a volunteer leader who has a computer. Mm-hmm. And that, that could be a nurse or a, a retirement community uh, welfare. Any, any professional. Anybody on the staff. It could be there, but we also have volunteers. Uh, one of my facilitators of the groups is 95 years old. Oh, wow. Her group has four little old ladies in it, and they sit around every month. And they listen to my programs on their their computer that she has. They go to her apartment. And so uh, then I have another group with uh, about 180 people in it. And they project the thing in an auditorium. This is in uh, Taiwan. And they they project it onto a, a screen in the auditorium and amplify the sound. So they've got a regular production going on with theirs. So anybody can join, anybody can uh, take advantage of it, uh, and I've also posted all of these programs on my website in the audiovisual library. Is that the same website you described earlier? Yes. So they go to mdsupport.org. Is there a certain place they click on for the low vision support groups? Just go to audiovisual library. Audiovisual library. And they can see all of the presentations that are for the public. I do have some that are private for just the members of the Low Vision Support Group uh, because they're borrowed from places like TED Talks and other websites, uh, conferences where they have guest speakers, and I will go and record them. And so I don't make those public because obviously they're copyrighted. It sounds like a great resource. So, Dan, I know that you're well-known in the industry for developing a really interesting model and known as, and I'll repeat this twice for our listeners, it's known as the patient advocacy model. So again, Dan's really well-known in the industry for developing this patient advocacy model. So 
tell our listeners about the patient advocacy model and what's that all about and how will it help them? I'm, I was wondering, uh, I'm wondering what that might be. I have worked on the low vision rehabilitation model. Could mm-hmm. that be it? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Okay. That was a, a initiative that I got involved in as one of five people. All of them were uh, leaders or representatives of the major uh, professional organizations hmm. like the uh, CLVT, Certified Low Vision Therapist okay. Organization. Another uh, was from uh, the Academy of Ophthalmology. Another one was from the Academy of Optometry. And we were all put together into a committee, and we worked for a year developing a low vision rehabilitation model, which oh, wow. can can be found in our library on the website that explains the whole thing. But it's uh, it was to show patients and doctors the the path that a person who's diagnosed should follow. Hmm. I don't like to tell people what to do, but in this case, uh, these five organizational members decided that this is the way it should be. And and if you don't believe people from these academies, uh, then you, you know, I don't know who else you're going to listen to. Right. And so we put it into kind of a circle. When you go to look at the model, you'll see that it's in a circle because this is a vicious circle, I guess, in a nice way. Let's say you get diagnosed. The next step you take along the circle is that you look up a low vision therapist. And then that low vision therapist should send you on to a community organization because all of these things have have their purpose. Right. And the community organization helps you with this and that and so on. It takes you all the way around the circle. Now, you could join it at any time on the circle. Uh, let's say you go to an optometrist. Well, he should back up and send you to an ophthalmologist if you need surgery, for example. Right. That's on the circle. Uh, so you can go back and forth on this circle, but you should stay on the circle and you should reach every one of those goals. Uh, low vision rehabilitation may, mainly being the one we were talking about because uh, to get low vision rehabilitation, which means training and daily living skills with low vision, to get that, you need to be referred to from a doctor. Gotcha. You can't just, just go to a low vision therapist. You, they, you have to be referred. And if you're not referred, then that person's just going to sit there with all that skill and talent that could be helping you. And so we made sure the doctors heard about this. And uh, we make sure the patients hear about it so they can say the, to the doctor, hey, I know I'm supposed to go to a rehab therapist now. So now tell me where to go. So it's almost like this is a stepping stones that people can yeah. follow along their, their journey. That's exactly what it would be. It, it tells you where to go next because the, the one thing I didn't, when I left that office after my diagnosis, I wished there was somebody there that would have told me where to go next. And there wasn't anybody there. Yeah. And that, that's something we hear all the time, Dan, from people with MACD and their families is they get great you know, medical care, but the support piece after the diagnosis seems to be a big gap in the industry. That's right, because, and I don't blame them, the doctors didn't go to medical school to learn to be counselors or cheerleaders or teachers. They want to fix your eyes. That's why they went to medical school. So unless they're a a doctor with an ophthalmologist with a university, 
uh, for example, they will take the time. I can't get the doctor that I started with. I can't get him to shut up. He <laughs> he will bring out bring out the the little diagrams, and he's even got a little statue of the eye that I can look at. And I say, Doc, I got to go. You know, I got things to do today. <laughs> and all he wants to do is teach me. So that's the kind of doctor you want to have. But that's not traditional. That's not to be expected from our doctors. We think of them as mechanics. We don't ask the mechanics for personal advice. Yeah, I think it, well, that's a good analogy. I never thought of it that way. But the doctor should send you to somebody who can give you that personal advice. And yeah. that's why we created this rehab model so that the doctor is aware that, oh, there is a next step here that I should send this person to. And we hope that they're following that. So you're on a journey. Here's some recommended next steps for you. After right. my office, they should say, "I don't have the answer, but here's where you can go to find it." That's a great. That's a great uh, suggestion. So I know that you'd mentioned kind of this stepping stone or this roadmap, and I know that you wrote a book, which I found really fascinating: the first year age-related macular degeneration, an essential guide for the newly diagnosed. So I thought, what a great idea to give people a guide. Like, okay, you've been diagnosed. Now what? Which sounds like it's really mirroring your experience. So. When we hear about this book, you know, the first year, age-related macular degeneration, can you give our listeners one or two tips from the book that you think would be most important for them to know? Yeah, that book was, uh, I was commissioned to write that by a publisher who had a series called The First Year. Oh. And they had uh, a different book for every disease that's common. What a great uh, idea. Like diabetes and, uh, you know, irritable bowel syndrome. And they wanted somebody to write a book on macular degeneration. So they got a hold of me uh, because I had all that stuff they knew about. And uh, basically... It was, the book was derived mostly from the contents of the MD support website, which, as I said, was over a thousand pages. So I just condensed it and put it into a 358 page book. Uh, and I tried to address the 10 questions. You okay. said tips, but uh, yeah. there are 10 questions that a person asks every time I get a phone call and I do have a helpline. So I'm talking to people all the time and the questions are addressed in this book all 10 of them. And so I think probably that's what they'll learn from it is the answer to their 10 questions. You, do you have time for me to just read them real quick? Sure, absolutely. Okay, what is it? There's the first question. What is AMD or what is MACD? Yeah. How did I get it? Now, the next question is, what should I expect? The next thing they'll ask is, what can I do to improve my vision? And then they'll ask, how can I live successfully with visual impairment? That's the big one. Mm. Okay, I know what I've got. I know you can't do anything about it. Now, how can I live with it? What types of doctors should I be seeing? They don't, they don't know that. Right. What kinds of surgeries or interventions are available? Can they, can they operate on my eye, for example? Mm. What treatments are there? Potential cures? What are those? What are my rights? If this person is still employed, do I have rights, for example, yeah. as a visually impaired person? Should I join a cl clinical trial? That's becoming a big one right there that they, mm. uh, they want. In. And finally, where can I find more help? Where can I find more help? Uh, this book, I'm not here to sell the book, but it does have the answers to those questions. And it's got all the resources in it. So, And you can get it real cheap on Amazon now. It's been, been on there for 10 years now. so <laughs> 14 years now. And so you can get them used for about five bucks. Uh, so, or you can go to the website and all the information is there, but you're going to have to search through the website. So for those of you listening, make sure to check it out. The first year, age-related macular degeneration, an essential guide for the newly diagnosed and one thing I love about 
what the questions you just asked, Dan, was I think I've always said that education reduces fear. Exactly. And that if you can get educated and formed, right, then the fear is going to be reduced because you'll now know what to expect. You'll now know what doctor should I see. And so I think those are some really great questions. Do you agree with that idea about reduction of fear or having hope? I call it's fear of the unknown. Yeah. I call that the monster behind the door. Mm. Because when I when I was a child, there was a monster in my closet. I knew there was. Uh, I never saw him or heard him, but I knew he was there. I and thought so, it was just in my closet, Dan. No, I had him too. You had him too. The way that guy travels around, doesn't he? I think it was Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was a, <laughs> I thought it was a gorilla because I had seen King Kong. Oh, and uh, when you see King Kong at the age of six years old, and I'm talking the original King Kong, the really scary one yeah, with Fay Ray. Scary one, yeah, yeah. That gorilla followed me through my entire childhood, and he lived in my closet. So I was terrified of him mm. until one day I went over there and opened the door. And there was nothing there. I got mm. the courage yeah. to find out there wasn't really anything in there. Uh, what I did find, however, was this little skinny monkey that I used to play with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, maybe that's why I'm afraid of monkeys uh, now that I think of it. <laughs> Back to the accordion thing again. Yeah. Yeah. And he's playing the accordion. No, uh, <laughs> I I did see that. And I thought, well, that gorilla is just a skinny little monkey. Hmm. And and I thought, oh, that's a good philosophy for the rest of my life. Have the courage and the ambition, the ambition to go and find out about it. Don't right. just cower on the front porch. Get out there and do something about it. And if you can't do it yourself, find somebody who can help you. And your gorilla can be a skinny monkey, too. I think <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to write a, a country song with that lyric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that as a great country song. It'll be great. Yeah. I'll work My on it. A little that. skinny monkey. There you go. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's great stuff. And I think that, you know, taking the mystery out of it, taking the misunderstandings out of it, I think that's pretty important stuff. So, you know, as you know, my MACD life is empowered by the Support Site Foundation. So, you know, how do you see us working together? You know, your organization and our organization, you know, there's millions of people out there that need help you know, due to this awful disease. So any thoughts about how the Support Site Foundation and your organizations could work together? Well, we're actually doing that, and I don't want to let the entire cat out of the bag, but there are at least five major macular degeneration associations mm -hmm. and uh, 501c3s in this country. Um, I was one of the first, and then I became partnered with the other one, Macular Degeneration Foundation, and then we started finding the others, and we all started seeing each other at conventions and, mm. and conferences, and we and we found out we liked each other, but we realized we're all doing the same thing, and uh, some of us are reinventing the wheel. We're, we're spinning our wheels, right. so to speak, and so uh, we have come up with this opportunity. Not, like I said, I don't want to say too much about it, but an opportunity to form a portal that will lead people to all of our organizations, depending on what they're looking for. Make it easier what a great to, uh, to find us. And uh, I don't know if I should say any more about it or not, but it's coming up. Uh, we're very excited about it. And supportsite.org is also involved in this. Great. Uh, the AMDF, American Macular Degeneration Foundation, Bright Focus uh, is involved in this. 
AMD support, of course, oh, and prevent blindness. I work for both of those, and they're both involved in this as well. Wow. So that a person can go to one website and find all of us. What a great idea that is. Well, it, it'll make it easier. Right now, we're like we're uh, we're building the airplane while we're flying it at this point, <laughs> <laughs> which is essentially what I've I've been doing that for the last twenty five years anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, would people stay tuned for details? Would they go to mdsupport.org to to learn when that will happen and as all that comes together? It'll probably be announced. Okay. Widely, okay. Uh, where the last meeting we had was to decide how we're going to put this word out, and uh, I think we all agree that obviously one of the best ways is to everybody, all of the organizations, put this on their websites uh, with a link to that site because we all belong to it. Yeah, well, we definitely would be glad to do that. Yeah, so go to any reputable site that uh, has to do with macular degeneration, and if you see the link to this new site. Click on it, and that, that'll take you there. Great. So one other question for you, Dan. You know, on my MACD Life, as we call our show, we talk often about there's a lot of myths. There's a lot of misinformation out there about macular degenerations. We call it MACD. So in your mind, what would you say are some of the, you know, one or two most prevalent myths and misinformation about this devastating disease for people and their families, what what myths or misinformation would you like to clear up? There's a, at least three okay. uh, that I've been I've been fighting since I first learned anything about this at all. The biggest one is that blindness can result from MACD. Mm. It can't. It can't, and it won't. It can't. It can't. Okay, that's the myth. C A N T can't. Exactly with the apostrophe. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have over the past decade managed to get that out of the language. It used to be, we used to hear macular degeneration is the leading cause of blindness in senior citizens. Mm. Well, that's absolutely untrue because it doesn't lead to blindness. And we have fought that long and hard. And now you rarely see that anymore. What you see is macular degeneration is the leading cause of low vision. Low vision, not blindness. Or visual impairment, but right. not blindness, because we don't lose our vision. You see, There's people walking around you all day that have MD or MACD, uh, and you don't know it. Yeah, because exactly. They, they've, they've learned to adapt to it. Uh, they have learned to deal with it. They're leading very successful lives with this condition. And so you'd never become a totally in, a dependent person. And then I learned, well, even if you're blind, you're not totally dependent because you can do without your eyes. And I actually did the research on this. Ninety nine percent of what we do in our daily lives, we can do without looking. Wow. The only reason we look is because we can. Because it's a habit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun to see. We watch what we're doing. But we can do it without watching. And so uh, that's what we have to learn. And that's what all the organizations are, are leading toward. That's what low vision rehabilitation is all about, uh, how to live your life without. But anyway, that was just the first one. So the first I one is two, the blindness myth. And, and the two others <laughs> the, next one is, the next one is uh, the myth that there are two different expressions of the, of the disease MACD. Mm. That dry and wet are right. two different conditions. Yeah. yeah, dry and wet. That's that's misunderstood. They are not the two different conditions. They're the same condition. Mm. They are both macular degeneration. The wet form happens to be an advanced development that stems from macular degeneration, where the blood vessels decide to grow and go in there and bring nutrition to the dying cells. Right. But that's not a disease by itself. You can't have wet macular degeneration unless you started 
with dry macular degeneration because that's the general thought now. That wet, yeah, wet comes from dry, but essentially when you inject the new drugs into the wet MDI, you have taken it back to the dry form of macular degeneration because you've, you've stopped the blood vessels. So it's hard to explain that to uh, to people who are just starting. Right. But that's that's a misunderstanding that needs to be better taught, I think. And finally, you cannot reverse macular degeneration. Not reversible. You cannot reverse it with supplementation. You can't reverse it with electrical stimulation or with eye exercises or any other therapies. There is no therapy or treatment that's going to reverse this disease. And it, it really bothers me when I see that advertised. Right. That such and such is going to reverse your your disease. It may improve it temporarily. Improve it, but not reverse it. It may improve your vision, but it's not going to reverse the, the disease itself. Uh, if you could reverse the disease, that means you have cured aging. <laughs> and the first person that does that. <laughs> then you uh, got something. Yeah, then you really got something. So yeah. those are the three things that I, I'm always having to explain, and, and I wish people would just quit telling folks this. Yeah. Think of, think of some other way to raise your money or, or sell your product. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think those are some three really good ones. Well, Dan, you are a fountain of information. I love your energy and your passion, and I really appreciate what you've really done for, and you, you probably don't think about this, but I mean, think about the hundreds and thousands and perhaps millions of people whose lives you've touched through your work. Have you ever you ever sat back on the porch one day and thought about that? I do think about that, but I, I can't dwell on it because there's still a lot of work to do. So what I, I end up dwelling on is the people I haven't been able to reach yet. Mm. I would love to just say, there, now I fixed it, but yeah. that's not going to happen. Well, I really appreciate everything that you're doing for people out there and their families. I really appreciate all your work and your efforts. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're absolutely fascinating. And maybe we'll have you back again sometime in the future. Would, that, would you be willing to do that for us? I would love to. Uh, I do want to close with information and human interaction. Those are the, the things that are vital uh, to maintaining the quality of life when we're dealing with low vision. So in addition to MD support, several other top-notch organizations exist for the same purpose that I told you about a minute ago, including supportsite.org and what you're doing here with the podcasts. And it's through organizations like ours and the cooperation and now that's happening among them, patients can not only survive vision loss, but they could flourish in spite of it. So I hope this podcast will lead many of them to the services that we provide. And I appreciate you inviting me here today. Well, thank you, Dan. Appreciate your time and keep doing the great work. We appreciate you. I intend to. Thank you very much. Thank you. My Mac Life. My Mac Life. My Mac Life. Hi, everybody. This is Christine Petty, and I am coming to you from my cozy little studio apartment nestled in a tiny nook in the Hell's Kitchen neighborhood of New York City. So if you hear sirens or motorcycles or very loud cursing, welcome to my world. I am a radio host and uh, an actress and a singer and a voiceover artist, and that's what I do for a living. I want to introduce myself because I'm going to be stopping by occasionally during these podcasts to share with you my adventures as I transition into a world of uh, visual challenges. 
I think I'll sort of just start and use today's segment to, to give you a little history. I started as a very little girl with, uh, as soon as I was old enough to convey information to my parents with very, very, very nearsighted eyes. My, my lenses were probably at least a quarter of an inch thick, easily. And I had these little pink and white striped cat glasses that I used to wear. And I hated them because the rings around my lenses made my eyeballs look so tiny. And as a result, I just hated the frames. <laughs> Poor cat glasses. It's not your fault. But even to this day, I can't wear cat glasses, even though they're back in fashion. I wore glasses till I was in the eighth grade, and then I got hard contact lenses. Yes, kids, contact lenses used to be hard. And in college, I got soft contact lenses. And I had a series of complications. Uh, I had a detached retina in my 20s. I had strabismus surgery because my eye crossed. My eyes don't have equal strength. My dominant eye is my left eye. That's the eye that I read out of and focus out of. I can't really focus independently out of the right eye. And so I have this eye turn. So I had a strabismus surgery to correct that. Had a detached retina in my 20s. Had cataract surgery in my 40s. And then had two detached retinas in my dominant eye in a month. And all of these involve silly little anecdotal stories which I'll get to in the next episode of Adventures with Christine. Oh, but the point is that at, at this stage, after all of that, uh, I then, of course, had glaucoma issues. And I've had, I think, two or three glaucoma surgeries. So, I, you know, I've been under the knife, and I've had the pressures of uh, losing uh, almost all my vision in my dominant eye. And so I had to then compensate and use this less-than-optimal right eye. And I was so miserable about that, just so miserable about it, until, of course, that eye started to go. Now I am navigating through the world with this diminished eye, which is steadily having more and more diminished vision. So this is my challenge. I live alone, and, uh, you know, I'm an actress. So these are all things I'll, I'll touch upon as we move forward with this podcast. It's my goal to to talk about the challenges and to, to sympathize with you and everybody when it comes to the things that we are struggling with, but also to understand uh, the things that we can rise above and to, at all costs, laugh about a lot of this because, come on, some of it is pretty funny. It is. And if, if you don't find it funny, stick with me, kid. So, that's who I am, Christine Petty, who will come to you from my little studio apartment most of the time. I might do some things walking the streets of Manhattan as I learn how to do that with the cane. But um, I'm going to stop in briefly and, uh, as I said earlier, share my adventures as I navigate through the world with a diminished vision and uh, try to accomplish more and understand more about myself and the world throughout I know it's going to be a challenge, and um, maybe you'll help me, and maybe I'll help you. Let's see what happens. Hey, folks. May 2021 be joyful, healthful, peaceful, hopeful, and kindful. That's our mantra. This year, more than ever, we have to come together. 
you know, we need to love each other more and hate each other less. So here's what we're asking you to do. We couldn't make it easier. Pick up your phone, record yourself saying May 2021, be joyful, healthful, peaceful, hopeful, and kindful. It's that easy. Post that on all your social media, share it on all your social media. Hashtag full hearts 2021. This is your chance to be featured on this show. We're active on all social media except for Twitter. Thanks for joining in. So Donna, understand for the Vespero assistive technology piece today, we've got some really fascinating technology to talk about. So I'm just curious, what is it this time? Well, you know, Sean, it's always fascinating. It is. It's good stuff. This week is the Clearview Go. That's Mm. capital G, capital O. I love the name of that. It sounds like you can just take it and you can go. Is that a good guess? Sean, you are so smart. You're just always getting it. Well, I'm not the co-host of a podcast for no reason, I got to say. <laughs> so yes, the this category that the Clearview Go falls under is called portable assistive hmm. technology. So it's meant to take on the go. It's uh, durable, foldable, has all the aspects of like a more of a sturdy kind of a desktop, more permanent kind of reader and magnifier. And, but it's sleek and you can throw it in a case and you can pack it up, throw it in the car and take it to see the family. Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Or you can take it to school. You know, there's all kinds of uses. So it really is move it around different rooms in your house, you know, kind of like a laptop. That's great. So listeners, listen up. If you're ready to go, let's go. All right. Well, good afternoon. My name is Bill Kilroy. I'm Vispero's Senior Sales Director for the Northeast, and I'm joined by my colleague, Mike Wood, Strategic Accounts Manager for Education for Vispero. Hey, everybody. Mike and I are very pleased to be on this podcast, My MACD Life, and we hope to tell you a little bit more about our organization and the types of tools we produce. Vispero is the world's largest assistive technology for the visually impaired. Our field of specialty is assistive technology. In our world, for Vispero, that means serving people with our products who are blind or low vision. Throughout this podcast, we hope to highlight key products in our line that can enhance people's lives, and we look forward to speaking with you. Well, today's featured product that Mike and I will be discussing is a device called the Clearview Go. The Clearview Go is from our Optelec division, and it is a piece of low vision equipment that falls into the category of desktop video magnifier. But unlike a traditional desktop video magnifier, the Clearview Go is unique in the sense that it is a device that can travel with the user. So it is a foldable video magnifier that can be plugged into a wall, it can run off of battery, And it can give a user access to information that's on their desk, up on a whiteboard or blackboard or outside, you know, looking out of a window. Or if they're using it for personal use, they can rotate a camera that can look at them and they can do everything from applying makeup to, you know, checking moles, those types of things. It is a piece of video magnification equipment. So the user will have a monitor facing them. Behind the monitor is a camera and lighting system that looks down at a platform where their print material or object 
will be magnified. So you can raise the magnification anywhere from two times to 32 times uh, to get it to a comfortable viewing uh, for you know reading, etc. This is a device that has a five-hour battery life. It has, uh, for, for high contrast, it has 35 different high contrast color modes. And it is something that once you're done with it, if you're at school, for example, you can pack it up, take it back home, use it at home to do your homework, pack it back up, bring it the next day to school and be on your way. Mike, you see these products a lot in education. Tell me how do people use them in your world? Yeah, absolutely. This has been a top seller for me in the education market. The neat thing is it comes in two screen sizes. So you've got a 15 inch and a 17 inch. And so depending on what the need of the individual is, you know, you've got those options, but the students love it. It's uh, portable. I think you had mentioned it's only around 10 pounds. So it's definitely, you know, pretty easy. It comes with a rolling case as an option, which would allow you to, you know, transport it even easier in between classes. Uh, but the other thing is the quality of this device is top notch. The high definition camera is super great quality and the magnification on distance on this is spectacular. Uh, and the other thing is the quality of it, as far as, you know, the robustness of the product, you know, I travel with my unit and prior to COVID I was traveling a lot and I was taking this thing and I was packing it up in my luggage and it has been great. It's really taken a good beating. Well, and that's what I think you'll find with all of our products. I think the key thing is that the uh, assistive technology, number one, do its job. But number two, that it gives you great durability. This is a product, and particularly when it's used, you know, we think of this being used a lot by students, but it can be used by anybody at any point in time. So this can be used at work. It can be used at home. It can be used at school or wherever. But Mike hits on a great point, which is, Kids and students are our toughest audience. So if your equipment isn't durable, it's not going to last. And we've had this product out well over a year now, and we've had nothing but great reports back and reviews on this as far as a device that can, you know, fold up, be packed away, taken, you know, set up at home, set up at work, set up at school, and it just keeps working for the user. Mike, any final comments? Yeah, I was just going to say the other thing I know a lot of uh, individuals like is you have three selectable magnification ranges. So if you have a student or an individual that needs to start out at a higher magnification range, uh, you can customize this unit. And you had mentioned those 35 color modes. Everything's customizable. It's super simple and easy to use. Overall, it's a great product. Well, I couldn't agree more. And thank you, everybody, for joining us today. You know, to learn more about the Clearview Go, a couple of different ways, you can call us at 1-800-444-4443 and talk to a customer service representative who can uh, send out some information or connect you with a local resource who can potentially um, show you a device. The other way is to visit us online at www.vispero.com. Thanks very much and have a great afternoon. So this next segment of the show is something we call Trivia Town. And Don and I are co-mayors of Trivia Town, by the way, in case you want to visit. And on this one, Don, why don't we do this? Why don't you toss the trivia question my way? What do you got for me today? Well, this is a really good one that I think smart. You always have great trivia questions. Well, thank you. I pride myself. This might stump you, Mr. Uh, Doyle. What term for a unit of power did James Watt coin? Hmm. That's not his name. That means name <laughs> to help market his steam engines. Hmm. It's resting for 
term that James Watt coined to market his steam engines. I remember that when I was a little kid, seeing those steam engines. Hmm. I mean, the obvious one seems to me like it's too obvious. Is it Watt? Is that a good guess? Did you want me to repeat that? Is that (laughs) W-H-A-T or W-A-T-T, Sean? Is it W-A-T-T? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm I'm going with Watt. That's, that's my, uh, that's my, that my scientific best guess answer. That's my final answer, in fact. So what, what do you well, think? Well, that is a darn good guess. And I is it what? I think the audience would agree that we, you get some credit for that. But the answer is horsepower. <laughs> oh, horsepower. Wow. You know, that's interesting because it makes sense. Because if, if you're marketing steam engines to try to replace a horse, then maybe describe it as, you know, four horsepower, eight horsepower. I mean, that makes so much sense. Horsepower. Interesting. I never knew where that came from. Actually, I'd like to challenge our audience out there for those of the you know engineers and others out there who might know this. Like because it was James Watt, I am curious if he has credit for watt or wattage or watts, like you mentioned. So we could Google it, and that would be easy. And maybe we'll do that for next time. But if our listeners out listeners out there know the answer, maybe they could email us at info at mymagdlife.org and chime in. What do you think of that, Sean? So what you're asking is, what does watt get credit for? <laughs> what does watt get credit for? Now we're getting a little crazy. (laughs) So here's a practical tip for living every day with macular degeneration. It's actually pretty simple, but sometimes people don't think about is increased task illumination. First of all, there's a lot of great lamps out there, flashlights, illuminated magnifiers, something to think about. Next is a task lamp or even a daylight bulb. So on that document, you'll be able to read much more clearly. And then the last one is to bring your lighting within one foot of the printed item that you're trying to read. So I think that'll really make a big difference for you. And so there's a tip for living with macular degeneration is increasing your task illumination. everyone. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We're really glad you're here. Please come back. May 2021 be joyful, healthful, peaceful, hopeful, and kindful. Yeah, and it's definitely a privilege and a pleasure. And remember, for more information, please go to mymacdlife.org. We have all sorts of resources and info there for patients who have MACD and their families. And remember to join us next time on My MACD Life. This program is empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. The Support Sight Foundation mission is to save sight for millions of people who suffer from age-related macular degeneration, AMD, and lose their precious vision. As a 501c3 public charity, our goal is to provide patient education and access to low vision resources to help individuals, families, and caregivers whose lives are severely impacted by AMD. We place a high priority on connecting with people, their families, and loved ones who live with the daily struggle of impaired vision. The Support Sight Foundation funds innovative research projects conducted by the top scientists in the field who are on a path to discover effective new tools, technology, and treatments for people like you with vision loss. 
The Support Site Foundation, supportsite.org, S-U-P-P-O-R-T-S-I-G-H-T.org, or call us at 888-681-8773 and connect with us on social media. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on My MACD Life, the podcast with a vision to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. For more information and many great, incredible resources, visit MyMACDLife.org. This program is supported by amazing listeners like you. During the season of giving, please consider a donation to keep our mission moving forward. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep living with hope.